Welcome to Sports with Chris Rawl. I am Chris Rawl, and I will be talking about sports. On today's show, a rivalry week for the ages. Two things are inevitably true about losing streaks. Number one, they feel like they are never going to end. And number two, they end. I came across these words at the middle portion of last week. They were written by Bill Conley, my favorite college football writer for ESPN. And they made me think going into the following three days of rivalry weekend football, just about things that exist that seem like they're always going to be there, and then they are not. So I want to put a pin in that for a second, get that in your mind, and I want to bring something else up. Because very rarely does the perception of something in its perfect, fully realized form match up with reality. A good example I like to use to illustrate this belief that I have is the vacation crowd. The people always say vacations that's one of my passions it's one of my loves and i love traveling around it's the cold psychology that occurs within the human brain that says over there is better than over here so i'm going to go over there and test it out and then come back and that's fine people can have whatever hobbies they want i i'll never say otherwise yet i find it strange within this realm i'll ask a lot of people that i know that love traveling and i'll say oh you just got back from so-and-so, how was it? You know, how, how did it go? The vacation sounds fun. You were gone for two weeks. What was it like? And more times than not, the starting talking point is, well, oh, I mean, it was, it was a little exhausting. And there's here's some of the things that went wrong. The, there was a lot of travel time. And our luggage was forgotten at one point, And there was some weather that wasn't great. And we had a canceled show or whatever. It goes on and on and on. But there's a strange tendency that exists. Because I think for a lot of people, vacation means the most perfect form of a vacation. You go and the weather's perfect and you sit on a beach and you sip on a cocktail. Beautiful women come and throw themselves at you. And then you go home and you go, that's a vacation. And that just doesn't exist. Vacation, it has its warts, the same as anything. Uh, I've been on vacation before. Many times, and there's been multiple times where I go, oh, okay, yeah, this is cool, but I'm ready to go home. Now, it's not to say that I don't like going on vacation. It's not to say that I hated those vacations that I was on, but sometimes that's just the way that things are. I go, hmm, over there was not necessarily better than where I was, so I'm going to go back home. And most importantly, I have a choice about what I want to retain from an experience. So when I come back from a vacation, what do I want to remember about it? Is it all the things that went wrong, the warts? Or are there the things that happened where I go, oh, that was a really cool baseball game I went to and this and that and this and that. It ties into a Bob Rotella quote that I always talk about on this show. Love the challenge of the day, whatever that may be. It's the very simple idea. What do you choose to retain from an experience? You are the person who can make life what they kind of want it to be for the vast majority of experiences. So yeah, there'll be challenges there, but how do you love those challenges? Now, coming into rivalry week, we are arriving at the portion of the football season where 
I can concentrate on things I'm frustrated by or I can concentrate on the things that have happened or that await that I look at and say it might be perfect. It might be that perfect vacation, right? The points of frustration or the points of sadness, part of that is, oh, the football season's coming. It's coming to a close. It's the end of November. It's the start of December. What's going on here? Much less the stuff that goes into the sport of football itself. There are many warts. I could talk about those for a very long time. Uh, college football, I get frustrated with same teams at the top, the power brokers, just over and over and over. Or I get very frustrated with the playoff committee in general, the Machiavellian puppeteering that in no way represents what I think a lot of people thought the playoff would, which is equality and the ability of, for any team to be able to now have a chance at winning the national title. Uh, it could be the way that injuries have shaped a lot of the season in a way that they always do, especially at the NFL level when I go, I'd love if Derrick Henry was here playing for the Titans. Or I love if Kyler Murray was playing quarterback for the Cardinals the last few weeks. Or even on my own team, just the frustrating things that are tied into our specific area where COVID protocol exists last year and this year, and Aaron Rodgers has to sit out a game that the Packers then lose against the Chiefs, and Devontae Adams is sitting, against, sitting out against the Cardinals, and luckily Green Bay wins. But there's just a lot of stuff that's there that I could point at and go, oh, this makes me mad, and I don't like it, or it makes me sad. The state of refereeing in general, I mean, I could talk about that for all of time. It makes me so angry. The roughing the passer calls, what do they even mean? The taunting calls, what are we talking about? Who is asking for this? The targeting in college football, I can't tell why... <laughs> Any of these calls are being made. Why people are getting kicked out for these seemingly incidental brushes of the helmet in a sport that is just based upon incredible speed and power and you can't really predict where people are going to be. There's a lot of stuff there that if I wanted to, I could go, this is just a total turnoff and I'm out. The warts, right? Now, I always kind of choose to go the other way, which is, obvious because I watch football for my whole life and I plan to do so until I'm dead because there are tons of things going on that I love within that experience. And that is, you'll never find a week that more perfectly represents that than last week, rivalry week. I want to read something real quick to you from our favorite poet of all time, Liesl Mueller, came across this also last week as I was reading. And I want to share it to kind of represent just this feeling that kind of uh, Rivalry Week brings out within me. I want to dance, to bend as gradually as a flower, release a ball in slow motion, to follow in the marvelous path of an unfolding jet streak. Love's expansive finger across the cheek of the sky. Heaven, I'm in heaven. End quote. So... Not to give a quick lesson on writing, but if you ever want to understand how to clearly and accurately depict a very complex emotion in a few amount of words that seem trivial, uh, I would study a stanza like the one that I just read, Love's Expansive Finger Across the Cheek of the Sky. Now, there's an incredible amount of beauty to be found in small, seemingly mundane things in life. That's the basis of most poetry. It's a mindset that I personally subscribe to in my life. Uh, it's why I have written 
a series of published essays called The Stories No One Sees, based upon this idea. They were about weird stuff. They were about golf, something I'm passionate about and play. It was about Bob Dylan, my favorite musician of all time. It was about LeBron James, my favorite basketball player to watch. And it was about college football, the sport. That's what these series of essays were. I'm actually writing one right now about Aaron Rodgers that hopefully I can publish soon and you can all read. But they're all based upon this idea. Life is what you make of it. So what positives do you take from the situation? Again, a thing that I'm constantly referencing on this show because that's the way that I want to be living my life. A lot of times that is very hard to do for me, for anybody. This past week is not necessarily one of those times. I did not have to look very far to feel what Liza Mueller's talking about, that expansive finger across the cheek of the sky. So the prior week is the best week of the entire year for sports watching. I firmly believe that. Rivalry week in college, full slate of NFL starting on Thanksgiving. Full slate of NBA and NHL if you want to indulge, but the focus is football. That's why Thanksgiving is the best holiday in the United States because it perfectly folds the two things that all of our hearts desire into a holiday. Food, football. Those are the only two things really that we want. I'll speak for everybody on this. (laughs) They take it, they put it into a holiday, and then we just abandon all else. doesn't matter. It's a perfect holiday because of that. You minimize everything else. You go, this is all white noise. What are our passions? Oh, it's food and it's football. Let's just do those two things. Now, I say that half jokingly, but at the same time, it is a really good distillation of the way that I want to live my life. Cut out the white noise and what are the things that I am passionate about? So rivalry week, in a week that the focus is football, Rivalry week, the collegiate game, is the focus of football. It's perfect. Because rivalry week does not and cannot exist in other sports. Think about it on a professional level. There's no professional franchise or fan base that if their team was bad and they're there at the final game of the season, they're a losing team, they're not going to the playoffs... If they're there and they play their rival in the final week of the regular season and they beat them and their rival still goes to the playoffs and it doesn't really matter, there's no franchise or fan base that really feels that on an emotional, visceral level. They go, oh, that was cool, but I'll forget about it tomorrow. And really, we just need to learn how to make the playoffs. And that's what I'm kind of concentrating on because that's the way professional sports work. It's just you need to win. Now, college football, you do need to win. But it's also different in a way that Rivalry Week shows, in a way that I really hope college football continues in this vein. It might not. We we don't know with all the realignment and just various things that have yet to happen in the sport of college football that will rearrange it. We don't know if it will continue this way. But for now, on things I can concentrate on, I can point at Rivalry Week and say, oh, this is truly one of the things that I love about this sport could be as simple as upsets occur this week and they absolve the sins of an entire season they really can Uh, there's so much stuff that goes into beating your rival 
There's so much importance. And you hear all the cliches, throw the win- throw the records out the window, and this is the this game's the whole season. And there's a shocking amount of truth to those cliches. Um there's also a thing that goes beyond that that we were able to participate in on Saturday. When you get to watch something that has been taking place over the course of years or even decades, you can see the one moment that everybody has been waiting for finally occur. Kind of the the thing that goes into college football and rivalry week especially where demons can exist that pile up over time and you get this week to try and exercise them. There are two games specifically that I want to reference uh, that really stood out to me as I was watching all this football and all these sports and just thinking, man, this is a really cool week and I'm very, very glad that I'm a part of it every single year. The first one is Oklahoma State, Oklahoma. Bedlam, Saturday night. It meant a lot for the national title race. The winner would still be playing for a playoff spot. It meant a lot for the Big 12 title race. The winner is going to the Big 12 title game. But pushing that aside and concentrating on the part of college football that I love outside of all of the the white noise, if you will, stuff that ESPN is putting on every single day. Who's going to be in the playoff? Who's the national champion? What a... The stuff that I love about college football, when you just ratchet it down and say, what are the stories that no one sees about this sport? Well, rivalries, they are that. Anyone who's a fan, they have them, they know them, they know their own rivalry intricately, and they understand that in the context of other rivalries. They look across and say, oh, I might not be an Oklahoma State or an Oklahoma fan, but I understand what's going on there because I myself am privy what a rivalry game and what rivalry week means to a team. So Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. There's a chance on Saturday night to exercise demons. Going in, Oklahoma State, they've lost six straight to the Sooners. They were 2-16 and 16 in their last 18 games against the Sooners. For all of time, Oklahoma has existed as the big brother to Oklahoma State's little brother, They are just the powerhouse, always there, always around the national title race for decades and decades and decades. Oklahoma State's just, they're off to the side. Now, that's fine. That's the way that the sport is structured. There will always be that imbalance of power between a select amount of teams and everybody else. But what Rivalry Week does is it says, hey, you you have a chance to win a game That will literally mean everything to your entire program and your entire fan base. So Oklahoma State comes in. They're four and a half point favorites by kickoff. Seems like this is going to be the year. And they come out. They score on their first drive. Oh my gosh, that place is going crazy. It's in Oklahoma State. All these cow pokes doing the six shooters with their hands. And Oklahoma State or Oklahoma comes back and it's back and forth. And then the second half starts and it looks like things are slipping away. Oklahoma State. Oh, they muff a handoff in their own inside their own 10. It leads directly to a safety. Then they muff a punt, a possession after. Oklahoma recovers in the end zone for a touchdown. Oklahoma's up nine. It just looks like it's going to be what this rivalry always is. Oklahoma coming out on top. They can dance around, make fun of how Oklahoma State will never beat them, and then we all move on. Now, 
I want to make note right now about one of the things that I also love about sports and one of the things that I also love about college football. And it's that when you've been a fan of one team for a long time, it's really easy to understand and sympathize with the struggle of other fans and other teams. I speak on personal experience in this capacity as a Nebraska fan, team that has not been good in over two decades. And as that has gone on, I've really felt that bubble to the surface. When I watch other teams that are continually getting their head kicked in by their rival or they're just losing every single season, I understand and I sympathize with that because that is the position I am in as a fan. So I'm seeing this with Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, and I'm going, ah, another sad, another sad way for Oklahoma State to lose to Oklahoma. I felt it a day prior on Friday when Nebraska was playing Iowa, and Nebraska's up 15 points with three minutes and change to go in the third quarter, and they just find a way in a, a way that only Nebraska can to lose the game. Outscored 22-0 down the stretch. That's just the way that things work with Nebraska at this point in time. It just seems like that will stretch forever. However, Oklahoma State comes roaring back, and they take the lead, and they're up by four, and Oklahoma's driving at the end, and Oklahoma State sacks Caleb Williams, ends the game. They win. They're freaking out. Everybody's running around. And there's a portion of me who understands that, even if it's very far removed for a Nebraska fan. Because I go, man, just doesn't seem like things will ever click for my own team. But I'm watching a team that had lost six straight to Oklahoma and was 2-16 and their last 18 and have not really been sniffing around the playoff race since 2011. And before that, I couldn't tell you when. And now they're playing presumably for a playoff spot next Saturday against Baylor. That's a hopeful thing to watch as a fan, even if you are not involved with that particular rivalry, which I am not. So that's something that stands out, and I go, I love this. I love this. I love this. I love when something seems like it will continue forever, and then it does not. Remember, Bill Conley's words, two things are inevitably true about losing streaks. Number one, they feel like they are never going to end. Number two, they end. So this leads me into my favorite college football game of this entire season. My favorite game that I've watched in any sport in quite some time. Uh, And again, it channeled that part of me as a fan that has not necessarily been channeled by my own team, but it's one that exists. And when you're a fan of one team for a long time, It's easy to understand and sympathize with the struggle of other fans and other teams. So 10 a.m. Rocky Mountain time, my time. Ohio State and Michigan kickoff. And Michigan was in the same boat that Oklahoma State was going into this day. Again, there's enormous national title implications coming to this game. Enormous Big Ten title implications coming to this game. But on the purest level of this sport. It was Michigan versus Ohio State, one of the most iconic rivalries in sports. And when you dive a little bit deeper into that, as I have 
because I watch every Michigan-Ohio State game since I can remember. You know what was going into the rivalry when it was kicking off at 10 a.m. on Saturday morning. Michigan, well, they had not beat Ohio State in a decade. Jim Harbaugh, he's winless in his career as a coach against Ohio State going into Saturday. Since the turn of the century, Michigan had only beaten Ohio State two times going into Saturday. So there, this is all built up. You understand this. And, and again, not as a fan directly of one of these two teams, but as a genuine fan of college football, I've watched this play out over the course of a decade, every Ohio State-Michigan game. And I get hyped up and I go, I hope it, this year it's going to be good because it's really fun when both these teams are beating each other. And then especially once Urban Meyer took over, it was just dump truck, dump truck, dump truck. And it seemed like Ohio State had so far outclassed Michigan from a recruiting perspective and from a coaching perspective, from a talent perspective, just wasn't going to happen. I mean, it seemed like maybe Jim Harbaugh needs to be fired. That's what a lot of people were clamoring for last year. Michigan, they retained him. They cut his salary down. He's in the doghouse. All of this leads into Saturday. Possible playoff spot on the line. Definite Big Ten title game berth on the line. And most importantly, it is Michigan versus Ohio State. It is a team in Michigan who had not beaten the other in 10 years. That is a very long time. It's kind of amazing to have been a part of those 10 years and watched them and felt exactly what Bill Conley was talking about. Man, sometimes these losing streaks just never feel like they were going to end. I did not think it was going to end on Saturday. I took Michigan with the points, but I will be honest, I did not feel going into the game like there was a chance that Michigan was going to win the game outright. I just didn't feel that way because of what I had watched for the last decade. Again, this perceived talent gap, coaching gap, scheme gap, all that kind of stuff. Number one, they feel like they are never going to end. Number two, they end. So Michigan whoops Ohio State's ass in every single facet of the game. 42-27 is the final. Michigan runs all over them. Um, If we're being honest with ourselves, and this pertains to me as well, it was an even more aggressive version of what Oregon did to Ohio State early this year. Physical manhandle of a team. Now, we knew that had happened, but we all said, well, Ohio State, they're they're getting their steam and their offense has figured it out, and we don't need to worry about it. They changed defensive play callers. And then Michigan's there, and they're going, well, we trust in ourselves and our vision, and today's the day. And Hassan Haskins is running for five touchdowns, and Michigan defense just getting in C.J. Stroud's face all day. Aiden Hutchinson, he finishes with three sacks. He was a monster. He sets Michigan's single-season sack record at 13. Just a lot of cool stuff that goes into this. But the part that really stands out is as this game is happening, and especially as it's dawning on me that Michigan is going to win, I get very excited. Not because, well, in part because my bets are cashing, but because I'm starting to feel that swell that exists within every fan who has been around for a long time. It's... I understand that feeling, even if it is far removed. And man, I am envious, but also very happy to watch all those fans storm the field on the big house and watch Jim Harbaugh and his postgame on-field interview. And you can just tell that the demons are literally coming out of his body 
because he's going, I just whooped Ohio State's ass, and now this is a rivalry again. Push all the other stuff aside. Cool, we're going to the Big Ten title game. If we beat Iowa, we're in the playoff. We could win some games there. Who knows? Who knows? But most importantly, we just whooped Ohio State's ass, and this is a rivalry again. So that's the moment more than anything out of all these games. And I watched literally everything this whole week. That's all I did was just watch football. It was glorious. It was fantastic. That post-game feeling was what stood out to me more than anything. Again, this is my favorite week of the year for a lot of reasons. But at the very top of that list is that moment. Uh, It's just the perfect distillation of the college football that I love. The national title race, that's cool. Conference title race, that's cool. Obviously, we are all going to pay attention and care about those things. But you get to rivalry week, and there's just something different about that particular week in a sport that's already different, especially when you compare it out across every other sport. It's just something different about this week. And so then you get every single team well outside of Ohio State, Michigan, and Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, every single rivalry game this week. You get uh, all these teams treating it like it's the be-all, end-all. doesn't matter what is on the line, if anything. It doesn't matter. All that matters is what's in front of you. That was what I felt watching every single rivalry game, whether it's the Egg Bowl on Thanksgiving when Mississippi is putting an exclamation point on a great season for them at 10-2 and or... Washington State bashing Washington in the Apple Cup on Friday. Nebraska going down to Iowa. All that kind of stuff. Like, Nebraska had nothing to play for. They were 3-8. and eight. And yet, I was so invested in this game because I like Nebraska and because I wanted Nebraska to end their, what was a six-game losing streak to Iowa going into that game, which is now seven. Doesn't necessarily matter what is on the line. All that matters is what's in front of you. And I felt that reflected as I was watching Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, and Ohio State, Michigan. Again, two games with great implications for conference title races and national title races. But what stood out from both fan bases was, ah, all that mattered was Ohio State was on that other sideline and we took them down. All that mattered was the Oklahoma Sooners were on the other sideline and we took them down. And that's the distillation of college football for me, the consumer. That's what I love. It's all the stuff I've been talking about. Love the challenge of the day. The stories no one sees. Love's expansive finger across the reach of the sky. It's all that stuff. It's all built into the viewing experience of Rivalry Week. Whether that's for my own team or whether when I watch every other game and understand and identify with what is taking place there. Everybody involved, the players, the coaches, the administrators, the fans, just extend that web out to infinity. Everybody involved. They choose to give this week extra meaning. Uh, That's why you can search the entire sports calendar from top to bottom. And I'll always point to right around Thanksgiving. Say, uh, oh yeah, we're going to have three days in there. Thanksgiving, Black Friday, the day after. And it's going to make me sit down, and I'm going to watch, and I'm going to think, and I'm going to cheer, and ultimately, I'm going to say, 
Evan? I'm in heaven. Thank you for listening. If you have any ideas or themes you would like explored, feedback in any way, or would just like to connect, email me at chris at ceo.com.